Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, October 10th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from Studio, I don't know why my uh, UPC died or UPS died, but I'm Scott Johnson. And uh, I'm the show's producer, Roger. (laughs) And Roger, too. Uh, We have assembled today, as we do every day, in order to help you help each other understand the technology world better. And that's what we're going to do today, including an interesting new trend in distributed restaurant management. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. The information claims that Apple has reduced the rate of fraud in its Chinese retail stores from 60% of repair claims to 20% over the past four years by secretly marking parts, changing repair policies, and improving diagnostic software. Apple noticed that people were stealing phones, swapping out valuable internal parts, and then requesting warranty replacements. This is why we can't have nice repairs. Yeah, mm-hmm. sneaky, sneaky Pete over there in China. Microsoft Director of Program Management for Windows Servicing and Delivery, John Cable, says the company has fixed all known issues with Windows 10 or Windows 10, Windows 10's October 2018 update that caused fewer than 1% of users to see data deleted. Uh, he's cable management, I just realized. That's a terrible joke, but I just want to get it out there. Anyway... Uh, the update is now being released to Windows Insiders. Uh, in addition, Microsoft is joining the Open in- uh, Invention Network, excuse me, which ex- uh, exists to protect open source tech from patent lawsuits. Microsoft will not only defend Linux now, but will contribute 60,000 patents to the consortium, allowing members to cross-license them. My, things have changed. Uh, WhatsApp has patched a memory corruption bug in its Android and iOS apps that could let an attacker take over the application if the target answered an incoming video call. Natalie Silvanovich from Google's Project Zero security research team discovered the vulnerability at the end of August, informed responsibly. WhatsApp fixed it, and now they're making it public. There's no evidence that the vulnerability was ever exploited. Well, let's talk a little bit more about my phone or the people who make my phone or one of my phones. Let's talk... About the essentials, Scott. Uh, the essential phone. Bloomberg sources say Andy Rubin's essential is working on a phone that can book appointments and respond to emails and texts on behalf of its users. 
your own little personal robot. Company has canceled the smartphone and paused development on a smart speaker to focus on this new feature. It would run on a phone with a small screen that is meant to be controlled by voice. I mean, this would be amazing to me if we hadn't just talked about Google's uh, hardware event yesterday where Google kind of already did that. Well, I mean, they didn't do this, but it definitely takes the wind out of the sails, doesn't it? Yeah, where it's yeah. like, oh, so it'll do a little bit more than that thing Google announced yesterday. Like, I get what Essential's up to, which is to say one of the criticisms of the Essential phone was that it was a great phone. In other words, kind of like every other phone out there. It didn't have anything that really set it apart. The modular system was supposed to be that thing. And modular systems have just not played no matter who's done them, Motorola, Essential, or otherwise. So this is their attempt to say, what can we do to bring phones to the next step? Oh, I know what it is. We'll use the smart assistant part of them. But like you said, Sarah, like the longer they take to develop this, the less far in front of the other models they're going to be. Well, and of course, you know, Andy Ruman coming from Android, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, you can't, uh, you know, deny the fact that there, there were probably things in the works when he was at Google, um, that are coming to the essential. That that stuff takes time. Yeah. 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 I think it's exciting because sure. It takes the wind out of their sails a little bit from the announcement yesterday, but a, a leaning into this idea of these devices, uh, autonomously taking care of some tasks for us is absolutely a direction I think is rad. And I hope uh, we see more like this coming from everybody, Apple and everybody included. It'd be really cool if my phone did all the stuff I hate for me. <laughs> I don't know why you have to make it a smaller screen. I'm curious if there's a good reason. There might be. Uh, yeah. But it seems like it would be more popular if it's like, hey, it's still got full functionality of the screen if you want it, but also you don't have to use it. Well, Tom, it's essential. So they only give the essential oh, screen. Space. You only need, we give you the screen you need, just the essential. Well, speaking of essential, I, Tom, I know this was a phone that you were, you know, kind of trying out, but is this something that you use regularly? What? This isn't a feature that's in my phone. This is a feature they're developing. For no, the I, I'm, I'm just talking about the essential phone. Oh, yeah. No, I love have. the essential phone. It's great. Yeah. All right. You find it essential? Mm, <laughs> maybe not. Okay. <laughs> Well, maybe you'll find this essential. Snapchat unveiled 12 original video shows, including the platform's first scripted programs from top producers like Keeping Up with the Kardashians creator, Buna Murray, also did all of the real world um at, at, if you know reality shows, you know you know them. <laughs> and Friday Night Lights writer Carter Harris, Snapchat Originals will appear in the Discover tab with an upcoming dedicated session for shows, as well as a permanent show profile pages available through Snapchat Search. Uh, why not? <laughs> I mean, everyone else is getting into the content game. Why not Snap? I don't know how I feel about, I mean, they haven't outright said this, but I don't know how I feel about portrait-based uh, content. Uh, that, that's the issue you have well part, part of it is that part of it is like how long are these probably not very long that's okay i don't want them to be too long is the point uh take advantage of the, the strengths of the platform which is this quick quick snapchat kind of experience move that into your content deals and see what comes out of it uh i think animated shorts would be really cool in this format uh i have some other ideas but clearly they're heading down a very specific sort of reality tv road with this a little bit of scripted television, maybe, but I, I don't know. You, do you want it, Tom? Do you want No, <laughs> I may be entirely wrong about this, but I feel like what's happening is everybody sees YouTube and says, oh, kids love short form video on mobile. We'll do that. Go 90. 
uh, what was the, 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 the one that was uh, trying to steal all the YouTubers, but then locked you in with a pay program. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't even remember. It's so long uh, ago now. I've forgotten the name. Uh, Vessel. 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 Thank you. The mistake all of these make is YouTube is successful because anybody can put their stuff on it. NBC, the person in their garage, us on DTNS, and all of these try to overcome that by saying, oh, but we'll pay really high quality directors and personalities and really popular people like the Kardashians. And that'll bring people over. And that's not why it works. And I think that all of these attempts will fail because they focus on that instead of the fact that it's convenience. Like, Oh, I want to watch that thing from, from Jimmy Kimmel last night. Oh, and then there's also this other recommended video. Oh, you mean a game of Thrones conspiracy theory? Great. I'll look at that. That's what makes it work. And I don't think any of these have replicated that. Yeah. You can see why they get excited about it, though, right? I mean, Sarah, you like some, you like some trash. Uh, sorry, not trashy. I don't mean it in the most pejorative way, but you like some. No, I like my trash TV, and you know what I like? I like it on a big screen. Right. So see, can, can this be? Yeah. Like, do I mirror this to my television? Like, I don't like the idea of watching anything on Snapchat on my phone. Like, that's not the way that I consume content ever. Yeah. yeah. You watch things on your phone because they're either built for if the phone, low quality, to. or you're like, but oh, I just not- want, I want to see the clip from last night's show, and I don't have time to watch the whole show. Right. Yeah. Not yeah. a show that exists there natively so much. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Scientists at the University of Washington have developed a way for 3D printed plastic objects to transmit data without using batteries or electronics. We've actually talked about this before on the show. I know a bunch of you, including myself, have had a hard time wrapping our heads around how this works. But the team created antennas that can reflect ambient Wi-Fi. Uh, so, so in other words, the way the, the plastic bends or the gear shifts changes the way Wi-Fi is reflected. And then they can sense that. Uh, and, and the way it's reflected can be modulated by the plastic so that it can be a zero or a one. Anyway, the team has created antennas that can work, say, in a pill bottle. So you can tell if it's open or closed or, or in a prosthetic hand. So you can tell what position it's in. For situations without Wi-Fi, they've now developed a spring and ratchet that can record by ratcheting up the situations, the opens, the closes, and then be released when Wi-Fi is present again to transmit through the antennas. The team wants to make the system smaller so it can actually be embedded in a pill bottle or a prosthetic or an insulin pen, for example. And they'll present their work this month at the ACM Symposium on User Interface Software and Technology. Love everything about this. This is such a cool step forward potentially for how we communicate with stuff that normally can't or would need power or batteries to do it, like they said. So the idea that I could be wearing a prosthetic one day when I lose a leg or let's say if that ever happened, the idea that it could communicate remotely without me having to worry about it being charged or having, you know, electronic stuff so, you know, embedded into my leg. I love this idea. This feels like a huge step forward uh, for this technology. Did I take my pills? Is a serious question for people sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I take a, a, a levothyroxine every morning, and when I take it, I turn the pill bottle over because if I go back to sleep, I won't be able to remember that I took it. Um, and and that's me at forty eight. You know, when I get to be seventy, I'm going to want this this thing here. Yeah. Probably yeah, you know, hour. when I read the story this morning, I was like, oh, I, I get it. But OK, let's say you don't have pill bottle issues. 
what, how else would this technology be super convenient? Hmm. I was kind of racking my brain trying to Listen, think of every scientific advance. If that's the question you ask, you're going to have a hard time, right? There's yes, always both. the things that they've, they've decided to do prosthetic limbs in this case, uh, uh, insulin pen. And it's, the people who get a hold of this once it's out and available for everyone to try, that'll come up with the answer to that. However, I would like to throw it to the audience. If anybody's like, actually, I know, I know what this could be used for. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Maybe you left a button on, maybe you left the TV on, or maybe you left uh, something on at home. I know that that's electronic and you can Is do it with your phone now, but let's forget on? about it. Huh. Interesting. So like a little, like, oh, the TV switch is turned to the left. I guess we don't have those anymore, but you know. Is the fridge closed? There. I got one for you. <laughs> right. Yeah, because, you know, you leave the fridge open all the my time. My fridge has an alarm if I leave Is it my open. fridge really open annoying. or closed? Yeah. I forget. Well, it's I'll tell thing. you what. It's, it's the thing that happens. There, there yeah, are fridge alarms for that very case. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Uh, well, speaking of things that are now closed or sort of closed, Microsoft has removed Minecraft, which they currently own now, if you have been under a rock for a while, from the Apple TV store specifically. And it's discontinued support as of September 24th. A pop-up when you launch the app says, quote, we need to reallocate resources to platforms that our players use the most. <laughs> kind of rude. Uh, you can continue to play the game if you already have it, but Microsoft is also offering refunds if you bought the app or anything in the app within the last 90 days. And I wanted to put this in the top stories today because, uh, and this is another one we could put out to listeners. Maybe you guys can help me answer this this question. I understand it's not going to be even close to the number one platform for people playing Minecraft, but I don't understand how this is any skin off Microsoft's nose to have it on as many platforms as possible. They don't, they're not pulling it from iOS, so you'll still be able to play your iPad and your iPhone versions and buy those versions. Uh, so I, I just don't understand, given that it's the same code base, uh, they're universal apps, it's not a big deal, why don't you just leave it there? Well, I mean, think about it. If you want to airplay something from your uh, iPhone to the Apple TV, you know, it, Apple has, or, or <clears throat> Microsoft has probably realized that there weren't that many people using the Apple TV app, and you can still enjoy the game using your Apple TV. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Soon you won't be able to buy it, though. I don't know. It just seems weird. You're, the whole goal of but, Minecraft... But you're buying it via iOS, and then you're just, that's you're, true. You're just the, airplane it. Well, yes, you could do that. Um, I guess in theory you could do that. How would you control it, though? I don't know. You control There's it on the, your phone. You, yeah, you use your phone as the remote. Yeah, I guess you could play with the phone as a remote. You get a MiFi controller, and it would all still work. So that's all true. I just... They, were, they pioneered with Minecraft, in my opinion. This more modern idea of this is everywhere all the time. Get it wherever you're at, no matter what platform it is. Now, technically that was Mojang before Microsoft bought it. And, you know, they said, well, we'll carry that, that kind of thinking through and we'll just have it everywhere regardless of platform. I'm not sad that it won't be there. I don't even play it there. I don't really play it at all, but I just don't understand why having it there is a problem for them. It just seemed like not that big a deal. I mean, maybe that's the answer is you didn't play it there. Nobody played it there. And even the small amount of maintenance. It's a problem more that they just didn't want to dedicate the resources to keeping updating. I'm I'm curious what those resources were, I guess. Yeah. If you've got got insight into this, maybe you've been in a similar situation at a company you work for, or you can be anonymous and tell us from inside an actual company that does this. Uh, Email us, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We'd love to know. 
Danish newspaper Borsen reports that Apple acquired a Danish visual effects startup in December, but didn't disclose the purchase. Spectral, as it's known, trains machine learning algorithms to cut a person out of video as if they were on a green screen without the need of recording them in front of that said green screen. Spectral advertises that it can do real-time mixed reality, something that Apple has been working on with its AR kit as well. So this exists in a couple of uh, webcams for uh, streamers, gamers mainly, who don't want to go through the expense, trouble, and lighting and all that to put a green screen behind them. They buy a certain kind of camera, and it does an okay job of saying, well, this is you and anything in the background. Now we're going we're gonna to green out, and now that will make it so you're a transparent overlay on your on your streams. Um, and then you look at what Apple's already doing with the iPhone and with their current camera and their all this bokeh work and everything else they're doing where, you know, foreground objects are eliminated or at least some somehow edited separately from background elements. This makes perfect sense to me that they would try to come up with a way to do that. Now, how fun this would be. And if it's just for stickers for me to send Tom a gif of me dancing in front of the Taj Mahal, that's probably all this is. Oh, well, it's it, no, it's for AR. It's for it's for the ability to have an AR experience. Right now, you can only do it in the phone, but imagine they had a headset, and when you look at the person next to you, you see that person playing the game with you, but everything else around them is the AR experience, and it can track them in real time as if they're green screened. Yeah, so that's a cool use case. I, I think this is really nifty technology, just generally speaking. The webcams have been okay they're not great some of them look okay um so i don't know we'll see what they do with it it seems like an interesting acquisition regardless yeah well folks if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com and feed your brain all right i kept waiting for somebody to play that uh, uh, somebody was me uh <laughs> Earlier this week, Jonathan Scheiber at TechCrunch wrote an article titled, The Next Big Restaurant Chain May Not Own Any Kitchens, which is kind of confusing because it's all about kitchens. It's that the restaurant chain itself wouldn't own the kitchen. Uh, what this story is about is the fact that UBS, uh, the, the analyst company, projects food delivery will grow from $35 billion to $365 billion by 2030. And so there's an opportunity for both new restaurants and existing restaurants to create a sort of, not exactly a cloud service, but like a data center for kitchens. So Mm -hmm. a a network of shared kitchens, storage facilities, pickup counters, ways to reduce the overhead so that you could try out new concepts or add in more delivery capacity without having to go through the problems of real estate and, and acquisition and maintenance uh, to open a new physical restaurant just to add delivery capacity. So there's a few examples cited in this. Uh, Kitchen United is the one they spend the most time talking about. It's in Pasadena, California, marketed to existing restaurants looking to expand. Uh, their chief development officer, Meredith Sandland, I'm sorry, their chief operating officer is Meredith Sandland. She used to be chief development officer at Taco Bell. Uh, and their chief business officer is Atul Sood, who used to be at McDonald's and was the guy who hooked up McDonald's with delivery services. They've opened a 12,000 square foot facility in Pasadena. They have plans to expand to other parts of LA, New Jersey, Atlanta, Ohio, Phoenix, Seattle, Denver. And what they do is they take a warehouse or an old big box retail store or maybe a light industrial location and they fill it with 10 to 20 restaurants. So they give you the the counters, the refrigeration, the ovens, everything you need, uh, and then you just rent that. 
and they provide labor management, menu management, marketing and promotions, one-stop setup with the delivery channels. They have reserved parking spaces for delivery people when they come up to get an order to take it away, as well as back-of-house services so that you just focus on creating your food, training your staff, and filling orders. Cantor's Deli, which is famous here in Los Angeles, is part of this. Uh, An Iowa chain called The Lost Cuban Kitchen now has an L.A. presence for the first time through this. There's also other versions of this. Cloud Kitchens does this. Pilot Works kind of focuses more on new food entrepreneurs and acts a little bit like like a co-working space for restaurants. And Momofuku chef uh, David Chang has tried this a couple of times. Maple was shut down and sold to Deliveroo, but Ando was acquired by Uber Eats. So this is a trend that is happening. And Scott, I know this fascinated you, this idea that we we might shift to fewer dine-in locations but have more delivery options because of this. Yeah, it's a uh, it's this idea of shared infrastructure that is super fascinating to me given that we've we've overcome a lot of ideas uh in recent years about what's cool to share or isn't be it ride sharing or the idea that somebody in their car is just going to pick us up and take us to the airport. Like that was a really weird idea before Uber and Lyft and now we just sort of don't even blink at it. This feels like the natural progression for uh, brick and mortar to move toward. And it reminded me when I was a kid, uh, I wanted to be a political cartoonist. That's all I really wanted to do. And I would visit our two local papers, the Salt Lake Tribune and the Deseret News. And when I was a kid, at some point, they said, you know what? This is dumb. Having two places to print everything and two places to do distribution and all that happens in between. This is well before anything digital was happening. Let's combine those forces and have one place that prints both papers every day. We're still competing. at. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet, strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Editorially, we're still competing. They did this in St. Louis, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's probably true a lot, you know, in most of the country. 
it makes perfect sense, although it's taken a while, for the restaurant business to to go this way. And I could even see a situation where if it was more of a half-and-half dine-in, dine-out kind of situation, having, let's say, four restaurants on the same block all using the same infrastructure service of kitchens, you could just do this seamlessly. It would be nothing to the to the patrons. They well, just get the food. And a couple of these that I looked at market to food trucks, which you're like, well, why would a food truck need this? But a lot of times there's prep done uh, in a in a location before it's put on the food truck. So the food truck just finishes off the service. You know, things like chopping up the vegetables or pre-cooking items uh, can be done at scale. And maybe you've got three or four food trucks that you then take from that one location. So this works for that. It could work for physical locations, like you're saying as well. And it's not just delivery, it's also pickup. So at mm-hmm. the Canner's Deli, uh, Roger, I think you're probably the closest of us. You could actually go call in an order at this warehouse and then drive up to it and pick up Cantor's Deli without having to go all the way to actual Cantor's Deli in the middle of town, which is an hour drive. That would be great. You know, what's interesting is that uh, this is something that institutions have been doing for a while, especially school districts, because it used to be that at least when I went to school, all the schools I I went to had their own kitchen. Hmm. They had their own kitchen. They had their own ovens and stuff. And for in California, there was, you know, cutbacks in education, one of the things they decided to do is basically, we're going to cook everything in this one kitchen, and then we're going to take the food, and we're going to ship it out to the various schools. That way, we can still supply the same menu items, but now we don't need to pay for the additional staff to run the onions, the the stoves, or whatever, uh, and we can cook it all in one, one place. We can ensure quality uh, because, you know, it's all made by the same people. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting because in many ways, this is a parallel to what you see with uh, chip fabrication right you have mm-hmm. a separation between we design the chips and we make the chips in house too we design the chips we're going to find the lowest you know the or the cheapest or the most uh, efficient producer that can produce our designs and we'll hire them i mean amd split off its global foundries from its business because it was just cheaper to focus on developing the chips than rather than worrying, okay, we're, we've run out of chips to make. We're going to have all these factories idling. How do we, you know, how do we keep, you know, things humming along? And what, in some cases, kind of what Intel's facing right now, it's like, well, you know, we, we got to make sure that we're constantly supplying uh, these things that we're paying for, paying, you know, for power and all this stuff. Makes sense to do it with food. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, not that we all don't like going to our favorite pizza place, you know, that has like cool ambiance and great music and all that stuff. But we all know that that restaurant that closed down where it's like, why did they close down? It was super popular. Well, you know, that, you know, the lease became too expensive or whatever. You know, it's probably it's hard to have a business where people go and eat your food. However, I, you know, also talk about, uh, you know, loving my ramen place. I never go to the ramen place. There is a place that I could go and sit, but I just order it because I'm, I've become used to that. So if there was no physical place that the ramen, you know, was made, but it was in a warehouse such as this, and it was more cost effective for the company to run it, that wouldn't matter to me because I'm ordering it anyway. I mean... Oh, no, I was about to say back in Revision 3 in that building the company was located at, there was also a couple of, uh, 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 um, what do you call it, uh, uh, you know, you order food for a wedding or whatever. Catering. Catering. And they there was a caterer that would serve lunch. Like, hey, we do catering, but, you know, we have all these extras. We'll serve it for lunch. You go into the back, they lift up the door, and you just buy it, and you go back to your desk. Sure. 
Yeah, no, this is this is a industrialized, uh, uh, data optimized version of that, basically. Although, again, they're saying we'll rent you the kitchen; it's flexible. You'll have four walls around your kitchen. You'll have your own access and everything, uh, but we'll manage all the other stuff you need there. And I, I, there was another story we considered talking about today. BBC had a very rosy picture of how self-driving cars are going to eliminate car ownership in the next 10 years, which I'm not sure I agree with, but you know, we've talked about that before. But one thing I think will happen is if self-driving cars do catch on, it will lower the cost of delivery, which if this lowers the cost of the food preparation and it lowers the cost of the delivery, now that $380 billion starts to sound right. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, in a lot of cases, the only reason I don't do delivery is because of the cost, the extra charge. And mm-hmm. if that charge comes down to near nothing or for a restaurant that's done purely for delivery is, is, is actually beneficial, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have delivery done. And, more often. I mean, yeah, and, and on the flip side, if you are, you know, if you have the best pizza crust known to man, but for whatever reason, you just, you know, you haven't ever found that storefront. This is a great opportunity for people who <laughs> make really good food to offer food to the rest of us. Yeah, and maybe you eventually have a storefront, but that's just sort of a lost leader to get your name out there, right? At exactly. Some point. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's fascinating. It's, to me, it's no different than businesses, sub, you know, contracting out their mail services or mm. secretarial services or whatever it is at whatever level you're at. And this just, I think, is a totally brilliant idea. And that pizza place that that Sarah refers to that every town's had and we all wish was still there could still be there. They just have to do the front and the back gets taken care of because the spaghetti place on the corner and the sandwich place on the other side are all help subsidizing it. It's just a, and, you know, as uh, I don't know, I mean, some of us, uh, you know, I, I hide from the world. So I order a lot of food from, you know, to my house, but as that becomes more and more mainstream, the idea that, Oh, I, I like this place. I don't have to go there. I'll just, get it delivered and the price comes down um potentially as tom mentioned um i think that you know that that is a market that will become more and more like amazon but for food yeah mark my words uh we're going to start hearing stories about how delivery is killing physical restaurants and will eliminate physical restaurants and what do we need to do to save the physical restaurant within the next couple years killing the towns killing the towns you know who doesn't kill towns? Uh, people in our subreddit. Oh, thanks thank to everybody goodness. who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories. And thanks to everybody who does. You help us make our uh, our job better every day. Vote on them as well at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Uh, if you want to hang out on Facebook, does the same thing. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow is the URL. Let's check out the mailbag. What are people emailing us? Well, uh, we got quite a bit of um, responses for um, our discussion yesterday about the Google Pixel um, and, you know, Google's event in general. And Patrick Beja and I were both a little lukewarm about it. So Kawa Lau says, I love DTNS, but I wish they'd invite a guest that knows a little bit more about Google products for a show like today. Again, this is yesterday's show. They're all loyal iOS users who know very little about Android. Other than Tom defending the slate, the rest of the host didn't really care about the products. Now, Jeremy added, agreed for one of the most anticipated launches of the year. I felt like the reaction and discussion was pretty ho-hum. Hopefully there'll be more discussion in the coming days. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I am not a loyal iOS user. I use Android on the Pixel C, on the Chromebook, on my Essential phone. I use iOS on an iPad and an iPhone. I'm not loyal to anything. Uh, this idea that yet to be loyal to something bothers me. And and I defended the slate, but I also was enthusiastic about the Pixel 3 phones, as was Sarah. Sarah, you, Sarah liked stuff about the phones. Why do you think this is? And I say these not necessarily to be defensive, but to say... And yet, even with all of that, we got some folks who were like, oh, you obviously don't like Android. And why, why, why do you think that is? Well, and, you know, I, 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 I definitely understand um, both uh, Kawa and Jeremy's notes because Patrick and I both sort of said like, eh, you going to buy this now? Are you going to buy this now? And I but think it that's it. I think you're right because the reaction of the user at that point, the listener is, is well, of course not. They're Apple fans. Exactly. And it's true. I just bought a phone. So, you know, I'm not in the market. I, but, but if I were, I thought that it was a, you know, a very, very, very nice phone, um, both of the models um, in particular. And I do think that when somebody tends to kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, be beholden to a certain ecosystem, sometimes it can rub people the wrong way. Like, well, you're just never going to like, you know, you're never going to like this phone because you're an iPhone person. Well, I am, but um, it's not because I don't like the phone. No, in fact, I, every, I, time there's, every time there's a new Pixel, I get excited because I go, this could be, the sure. one, could be the one, and I get all excited. And then I read, read, read that Ars Technica first impressions thing, and it freaked me out. Went, well, now, now hold on, Scott. You're an Apple fan, too, so nothing you say matters either. You did it. You did Let's it. go to Roger Chang, who <laughs> doesn't use iOS devices. Roger, how did you feel about these Google announcements? I, You know, it's funny because mo- for most of those events, I'm not a big uh, 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 a smart speaker like user. And uh, I do like the Android phones. I'm not a flagship phone kind of guy. Like I don't like, Ooh, halo phone. I need to have, I'm one of those really kind of uh, value added kind of guys where, Hey, what's the best phone you have that won't cost me an arm and a leg. And generally it's somewhere along the Samsung LG mm-hmm, line. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's funny cause I used to love, like I had a Nexus, Nexus three. That was the best phone in the world. But, you know, Android's actually very, they're very good at optimizing for different hardware levels. So I'm keeping my Galaxy S6 for probably another, you know, two to three years, unless I break it, uh, because it does everything I need it to, and it doesn't, uh, it's, it's pretty solid. Well, I, I will say that uh, thank you to Kawa and and Jeremy. And I, I think Ryan, uh, Creative Vast Arts, also weighed in on this conversation on Patreon as well. Uh, we will we will take this into account and we'll make sure, if nothing else, we we make sure to turn to Roger uh, in, in Android uh, announcements like that to get the perspective of someone who just lives in that universe as well. I try to live in all of them myself just, just so I have a little bit of conversancy with it. Yeah, point taken, everybody. Um, thanks for keeping us honest. Also, thanks to Scott Johnson for keeping us honest every Wednesday. Scott, what has been going on in your world? Well, I'm not sure that was honest. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all kinds I'm of cool stuff. <laughs> uh, things are ramping up for BlizzCon this year that uh, happens in a mere couple of weeks. And so that's a big focus of mine right now. But if you want to kind of follow what's happening with me, catch any of my shows, or otherwise track me down, I'm over at frogpants.com. And I am Scott Johnson on Twitter. And oh, what about me. that show you're co-hosting with Patrick Beja at dailytechnewsshow.com slash MVGB, though? Oh, yeah. The uh, the monthly video game briefing, uh, as we call it in long form, is something I'm doing with Patrick now. Every month, at the first of the month, we basically take 
the biggest gaming stories of that month. Patrick and I are both avid gamers. And we put together a show that is designed specifically for the DTNS audience. We'd love other people as well. But we think of them when we make it. And the reason we do that doesn't mean we're dumbing it down or whatever, but we're looking at it at a perspective or from the perspective of the technology in a lot of cases, what the the industry is actually doing when they make a move like that. We're not really reviewing games so much as we are talking about the broader picture. And I think if you have even a passing interest in that industry or in the games of business or the business of games, you want to check it out. It's awesome dailytechnewsshow.com slash mvgb now if you'd like to know what equipment i do use when i make my show uh just put up a new list at dailytechnewsshow.com slash about click on the link that says see equipment tom uses uh that's dailytechnewsshow.com slash about and dailytechnewsshow.com working overtime for you rich Straffolino has a comparison up of the pixel slate the surface and ipads and his rant about why none of these have enough storage. If you want more content like this, if you want more shows like MVGB, if you want to see more of the things like my equipment, keep us on the air by have, helping us out at patreon.com slash DTNS. We also want your feedback. Our email address is a great way to do it. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is our URL. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more and tell a friend at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.